is Amber Radical with Sex Without Fear. This is my first official episode. Um, I want to go a little bit more casual than I did with the intro. I was really trying to stick to the script there for that first one because it's difficult to remember all the important stuff. But um, I'm going to be a little bit more laid back in this one. I started a blog, which is... My blog should probably feature just about all of these podcasts in written form. So this one was actually in written form before I recorded this one. So I have it up here for reference so I can skim through it. But this is a topic that I have been deep into looking into for a little bit. Um, if you are like me and it's quarantine time for you still, and you are consumed on the internet in a very unhealthy way, you have probably been at least aware of QAnon. I don't even know where to begin with QAnon. Um, does anybody, does the person who created QAnon even know where to begin with QAnon? But I'm sure you've seen it. And they are also obsessed with like everything pedophiliac, right? Um, there's a lot of pedophiliac baby eating conspiracies. There's, I don't know, isn't there Justin Bieber? Okay. Anyways, I'm sure that you have been just as overwhelmed by all of this. And it's so strange because there's always some truth that could be under all of it, right? Like maybe Justin Bieber. Is, no, okay. But maybe, maybe there is like elite people. Like we know elite people are trafficking people at large rates, right? Like that is obvious. And so they're not off to believe that maybe there are rich people um, snatching up babies, that's realistic, but like maybe eating them for their blood and ad adrenaline, what are they doing? These conspiracies are so deep, you know, and then it's like you believe some of it because some of it rings true and then you're just eight days, eight days deep into like Isaac Cappy. Y'all know about Isaac Cappy. See, we are like a year into quarantine here. I've just, aren't you exhausted? Like, can we talk about Gizelaine <laughs> and Epstein and the island? The sex trafficking has just been endless. Like, it's on levels that we couldn't imagine. I'm sure you're all aware of the Wayfair thing that happened if you woke up and people thought that children were being sold through wayfair.com which sells like house decor and suddenly there was like these cabinets listed for $11,000 with these like girl names like Stephanie cabinet or something but unique names and it just got so bizarre and then what was terrible is like it was black or white. It was like either you were an idiot for believing any of it or like the complete opposite. And it was so difficult because my voice got so lost during that time. And 
I want to save that for another episode. I really want to save my Wayfair theories for another episode. Today, I want to talk about the population of pedophiles that we have. Because like I said, I've been consumed by all of these pedophiliac topics that are taking over our society. Um, let's see. I was listening to a podcast and I cannot remember the name of it right now. But I was listening to it and it was talking about the science of pedophilia. And I was listening to it and then it said only 1% of the population has been found to be pedophiles. And I literally paused it because what do you mean the only 1% of the population is a pedophile when like 25% of children are being sexually assaulted, right? So I immediately like felt like a lot of things clicked in my head that never had before. And maybe my own trauma had like blinded me from these epiphanies myself, but maybe I reached these and other people can hear this the way that I heard it and kind of jump on the understanding now. So back to the internet chaos, I'm sure that you've probably also seen the uproar about, do you hear this? That's my septum ring, by the way. Every time you hear that, that's my septum ring. And I'm not entirely sure I'm going to be able to edit it out all the time. So get to know it. So what I was saying is um, I thought that pedophiles were the only ones hurting children, right? Like if you hurt a child, you must be a pedophile. And the internet has created this war against pedophiles. Not that it began on the internet, but specifically wrapped around the idea that people are creating a sexual orientation of pedophilia. And the shock factor of that has caused an unnecessary war between people who have the same mission. I found myself in that. So I want to help unravel it. So let me pull up my blog here because I made some good points in it. And I really encourage you to share it with any of your friends who are deep into these pedophile conspiracies like my sp myself. Not, not into them, but can't avoid them, right? And deeply affected by them. My brain just naturally obsesses because I need to fix it and I need answers, right? So I'm pretty certain there's something like 15 to 25% of children are being molested before they are adults. So I'm not going to regurgitate this perfectly, okay? But I was listening to this podcast where this British scientist came on and he talked about how they did this study on the brains of pedophiles or the brains of people to see if there was a change in the ones who are pedophiles, right? So they had this system where they could look at the little brain with little lights on their screen, you know, all sciencey. 
And there was a way that they were able to tell when they showed photographs of young children to these people who were pedophiles, the little part in their brain that was supposed to light up and tell them to nurture the child, right? The nurturing part of the brain. Um, it was actually lighting up saying that it had a sexual response. It was lighting up with a sexual response saying, I desire to have sex with this child. So in whatever scientific way they were able to do this, they were actually able to tell if somebody was attracted to children, supposedly, right? So this sounded like amazing science to me, so I tuned in. And it was just sort of blowing my mind because I thought immediately, not that I would want this, but that the natural human solution that people would come to is that if you can tell on some brain scan if someone is a pedophile, then you could handle that pedophile however society pleases to with before it even harms someone, right? Um, but I continued that podcast and I thought after thinking about that for a little bit and the podcast had continued and it actually informed me that most pedophiles never act on their urges. So these people who they were actually able to scientifically see that they were attracted to children, um, most of these people, which they figure 1% of the population actually has that sexual response to children, and most of them, most of them never act on their urges. And I thought that was just so mind-blowing because I thought that... I was such a rarity in the fact that I do not believe that I was molested by a child, by a pedophile or even someone who grew to be a, a pedophile. But trying to define types of abusers became very gray for me. So I know that you have been scared into believing that there's a community trying to normalize pedophilia. And that is true to some degree. There is definitely like a section of the internet identifying it as like a maps thing, minor attracted person, MAP. Uh, they want a flag and they, they post memes. It almost seems more trollish. Um, but that is completely separate from the issue where scientists and psychologists are trying to explain to you that pedophilia is indeed a sexual orientation. And I feel you that that immediately tells our gut that there's a whole like ridiculous crew of people who are just like dangerously normalizing pedophilia. And this is like that slippery slide that gets us right into like everyday child raping chaos, right? But it's really not. And so this is where I really want to tune in on this and get a little bit more serious. Um, this inspired me to do some research into finding out how many different types of abusers there are. Because if there's pedophiles and they're not molesting most of the children who are being molested, then who is molesting the children, right? And so we had to clarify that there's a difference between pedophiles and child sex, sex abusers. So 
I know they sound one and the same, but they're not. So orientations are essentially what you're born with, right? Whatever you kind of naturally go to sexually as you develop sexually. Of course, our orientations kind of ebb and flow because we learn to define them over time. But essentially, you kind of are attracted to what you're attracted to, right? It's not necessarily your sexual actions. So there are plenty of people who are gay and never explore it, right? And they quote unquote act straight their whole lives. But that does not mean that their orientation was straight. It does not mean that their little lights lit up with the straight answers, right? So it means that they were gay and pretended to be straight. So essentially, you can be attracted to children, i.e. be a pedophile, and never act on it. Just because they never hurt a child does not mean that they aren't a pedophile. They are still a pedophile even if they never admit it or if no one ever knows. Even if they're never diagnosed, if they never even hurt anyone, none of it. They are still a pedophile. If you are attracted to children, you are. Gay people and straight people are never diagnosed. It just is. And we never really know what anyone's orientation is. So normal, married, straight people can be pedophiles, they can be gay, they can be anything, and in no way am I categorizing pedophilia and gayness in the same category, so let me be clear how harmful that has been to the gay community, so let me very clearly separate those, but I am I am actually using the gay reference because I actually feel like that is more relatable in our society finally so people can understand how it was misunderstood before and how it's understood now um, in the same way that I want pedophilia to be understood, not normalized, but understood. So, yes, you have pedophiles in your life and you don't know, and it's possible that they don't really know themselves, right? Your attraction to anything can be very confusing. It can take us a long time to figure out our sexual orientations. Um, I'm evolving sexually constantly, right? I'm always figuring out more layers and... Yes, I identify as bisexual, but that could probably change if if I knew that there was a category that I identified with better, right? Uh, and I think there are some, and I just haven't done enough self-reflecting to kind of put myself in any more specific category. So as I was saying, 1% to 5% of people are pedophiles as defined before by this British scientist. So what are these child sex abusers who are raping our children? Aren't child sex abusers always pedophiles, even though pedophiles aren't always child sex abusers? Nope. Child sex abusers are actually usually not pedophiles, as in they do not do the act even though their brain isn't. Sorry. They do the act even though their brain isn't lighting up in the same way as pedophiles do. So what I'm saying is that people who are defined as child sex abusers are people who 
sexually abused a child, but not based on the natural attraction to the child that pedophiles have, but based in something else. So my research was to try to figure out what is making people want to molest children if they're not sexually attracted to them. And I can't totally get into the brain light thing anymore because at this point I'm probably sounding ridiculous, but I did find the definitions of six types of child sex abusers. And right off the bat, I want to point out that the biggest amount of offenders are child sex abuse victims themselves. So by preventing more abuse, we're also preventing more abusers from being created. And that's just the reality. So I think the reason that this matters right now is because everyone is feeling really fed up with our world for our kids right now. Pedophilia has been a very like hot, fiery topic for decades. And as I've mentioned before, I grew up in the 90s panic. We had the stranger danger panic. We thought that there was razor blades in our apples and that people in vans on streets were going to take us up. And we went through the satanic panic where people thought that they were going to take us and I don't know, witches were going to drink our blood or whatever the satanic panic was, which by the way was apparently started. The whole satanic panic was started with a false child molestation daycare accusation. Interesting podcast on that, on what you're wrong about. Another great podcast. So anyways, my biggest fear is that right now everybody is like straight up wanting to castrate pedophiles and like hang them in the streets. And I'm not totally here to argue that, but we can talk about like the morals of humanity later. I really want to define things clearly here because I think that you'll be able to assess your morals on it better when you have all the information. So my biggest fear is that science progresses and we're able to just kind of scan people's brains and show them the picture of the child. And if they find the child attractive, we can just last meal them right there. And soon we'll be a world free of pedophiles. But what we'll be left with is children still being molested at insane rates because there's still five types of other child sex abusers. So let's talk about the six types of child abusers and then we can move on and start figuring out how to resolve the contributing factors that create child sex abusers. Because remember, you are born with an orientation of pedophilia, but you're not born a child sex abuser. Child sex abusers are created out of outside contributing factors besides biologics. Pedophiles can keep their urges to themselves and not harm anyone. So the first abuser I want to talk about is the pedophile. If a pedophile acts on their fantasies and urges, then they become a pedophile and a child sex abuser, which is actually rare in the grand scheme of things, but pedophiles who act are opportunity makers. They create an opportunity to seek the child out because they, the child is the part that they really want. They can be longtime groomers or they can make one-time impulsive acts. The thing about 
pedophiles that we see in society is we tend to like monsterize them and we tend to make them look in a certain way. And we tend to like think that they're only in creepy places like vans or whatever. But the truth is, is that pedophiles know that they're attracted to children. And so they put themselves in positions to find vulnerable children. They find themselves to be in positions of youth group leaders or camp leaders or teachers, cops, doctors. Um, no, I'm not saying that all of those people who do those jobs with children are there because they're pedophiles. But what I'm saying is that pedophiles seek those jobs. They like to coach baseball teams and such when you watch shows you can even hear the themes you always like they always work with children if they're not like isolated and alone but that goes into another type of abuse that we'll talk about later so the second abuser i want to talk about is the victims who grew up one study found that 67 percent of convicted offenders say they were sexually abused as a child themselves there's other studies that say that they were given lie detector tests and a bunch of them failed that. I just don't really buy that because for one, we all know that lie detectors are kind of shit. And two, I really believe this. We know that like 25% of kids are molested and we know that they can reciprocate behaviors. So convicted offenders saying that they've been molested themselves does not sound like a cop out to me. It sounds pretty fucking realistic. So... Anyways, early intervention and true help to heal is going to be the biggest prevention to help people to not reciprocate their trauma onto others later. And I'm definitely going to dedicate many blogs and other podcasts to how to heal as a victim. And um, that's a really heavy topic. A lot of us grew up reciprocating behavior as a way of a cry for help. And there's definitely not enough help for that. But if we can prevent child victims from reciprocating behavior, we are going to cut down a lot of abuse. It will break a lot of cycles. So abusers three through six are situational abusers. And situational abusers are ones who are not really seeking out an opportunity to hurt a child, but they found themselves in a situation that allowed it, so they took the opportunity. Sure, if you're a pedophile, you may take opportunities that come to you as well, but situational abusers are not pedophiles. Their reasonings for abusing differ, but some examples would be like an older sibling molesting a younger one, a teacher who seduced a student a nanny that took photos of a child, or an uncle who abuses a niece even though he didn't abuse his own children. So, number three is repressed offenders. Repressed offenders are people who are often facing life issues that are causing stress or depression. They may have had a job loss recently or a divorce or a death in the family. The mental illness causes bad judgment, impulsiveness, or whatever. So repressed offenders are a thing. If there is a strong correlation in stress causing people to want to take the opportunity that's presented to them to be able to molest a child, then we can't just ignore this. 
maybe your stress never caused you to molest a child, but the difference between you and them is not pedophilia, it's something else. So as uncomfortable as it is to even address this, yes, mental illness can lead to somebody hurting a child in many ways, right? And we can't leave this out. We have to treat these things. If we want to prevent child molestation, we have to talk about what stress and grief and mental illness untreated can do to us and our impulsive behaviors. Abuser number four is the morally indiscriminate. They are the type of person who abuses anyone and anything. So maybe they beat children or adults. Maybe they hurt or torture animals. Maybe... Maybe they hurt and torture adults. Um, It's not really about children and sex when they are molesting a child. It's about the control. Children make for a great target to this type of toxic person. So they're always kind of looking for like the next high. They hurt a cat and then they need something more. Or they just constantly have to stimulate that like trauma there's a lot there, the morally indiscriminate. It's kind of a horrible label for somebody who's obviously hurting. Anyone who can do these things had to have experienced horrible things themselves. Abuser number five is the sexually indiscriminate. And this one is interesting because our society still sees sex as, I don't know, something so dirty. So some of these things fall into this category that I really struggle to connect to pedophilia, but the sexually indiscriminate, whatever that is by their definition online, but they label these type of abusers as maybe having an addiction to sex or being involved in other illegally sexual behaviors such as prostitution, bestiality, sex trafficking, raping, etc. The sexually indiscriminate is like kind of a label that I don't like because it's really difficult for me to put a sex trafficker and a stripper in the same category. And under this one, they would be under the same category. But nonetheless, I think the dark sexually indiscriminate, right? I think we know what we're getting at there. Abuser number six is the inadequate offender. These abusers are ones that find themselves socially awkward or inadequate, making it difficult for them to form intimate relationships appears their age. So maybe they're not mentally developed to their age or they suffer from agoraphobia or they were socially deprived as children. There's so many unique things that can fill this category that would lead somebody to be an inadequate offender. I feel like we can kind of picture this person. I feel like they're kind of like similar to some of the people who have done mass shootings at schools or I just feel like I feel like I've been raped by this type of person. In fact, as I'm reading this, I feel like I can put a lot of different abusers in my life into these categories. So now that we have defined who is abusing our children, I feel like we can start tackling these issues separately and leave the blanket slaughter the pedophile statement at the door when we're trying to hashtag save the children. If you're truly on the road to help save children from sex crimes, make sure you're ready to do the work of going deep. Make sure to leave your Facebook memes off your page if you don't know what you're talking about. 
I've been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of this. I guess Facebook etiquette could be a whole podcast in itself, eh? Attacking very few acting pedophiles is really going to deflect from actually protecting children from child sex abusers, which nobody's talking about. Everybody thinks those are pedophiles, and they're not. In fact, if you're an American and you want to help children not be living in rape every day, we could start with the fact that you can still legally marry a child in 46 states. 40,000 minors are married to adults every year in America. 40,000 children are married, which means being raped every day in America, which is where I live, which is where you live, if you're listening to this likely. Most children are raped by people they know, love, and trust who are likely still being invited to family reunions, teaching their teams, or in Sunday's pulpit. So we need to start reflecting into our own homes and getting judgment-free help for most of all victims themselves. This is not a stranger danger panic issue. It's a family issue. It's a communication issue. It's an education issue. It's a mental health care issue. It's a religious issue. It's a self-reflection issue. And it's a really, really sensitive issue. But if it really bothers you about children being molested, I think we need to stop worrying about sucking baby blood at celebrity parties, which, like, I don't know if that's happened to, like, one or five babies. It honestly doesn't even compare to the amount of children who are being molested in their homes by their family members every day. And so if we actually want to see grown humans without this plate of trauma walking around and trying to raise children blindly the way that I am, I think that we should really start focusing on ending child sex abuse and starting with our own homes and communities. And we should fight the rich because they're rich and awful. And that only just gives them more access to what other people already have access to as well. Yes, maybe the rich can buy more children, but we're producing them and we're having them in our homes. What are we doing here? Let's start here first. I don't think that my baby is going to be stolen and sliced up at a party with the Clintons or Selena Gomez, maybe. But I think that the probability of my sons turning into a rapist or them being molested by a pedophile or being molested by a family member is all much more likely and realistic in this world. And those are the issues that I am trying to prevent. I'm a mother and I'm bringing two little boys into this world. I'm trying to not use their childhood to heal myself, right? I have to do that on the side while I help grow them into humans who are not going to feel the same pain that I did or create the same pain that I experienced. So I don't really know all the answers to this, but I do know that when women come together, we do amazing things. Uh private groups of women who come together and don't have men telling us what to do always seem to find the answers 
and this is sort of like my own little private table. I know that I'm going to get many emails and comments and I'm going to listen. And I just think if we keep having these conversations that we're going to get the answers of how to prevent this abuse more. We have to talk about it. Okay, so if you want to find this podcast in a nice little quirky blog form that you can send out to your friends, you can find it on my website, www.amberradical.com, A-M-B-E-R-A-D-I-C-A-L.com slash sex without fear. You can find my blogs there. It'll be there. Um, this blog was called what percentage of pedophiles? Wait, what percentage of people are pedophiles? Something like that. You'll see it. Um, check that out. You can share it. You can share it with your friends to help them understand that they need to stop hunting the pedophile and start tackling child sex abuse issues. And if you want to subscribe to my blog there and subscribe to this podcast, that would be wonderful. You can find me on Facebook. And if you would like to donate to any and all of the projects that I have here, the local rape support group, the book that I'm writing, etc., etc., please find the donate button on my website or Venmo, Amber Radical, A-M-B-E-R, A-D-I-C-A-L. I appreciate everybody and I look forward to the next episode with you guys. Bye.